Hello, everyone. Welcome to session eight in our study of Esther. Today, we're going to be discussing chapter four, verses 10 through 17, where we find the Jewish people, they are in dire straits at the moment. I mean, they are set to be legally executed in less than a year. And Mordecai appears to be the only one at this point who has any idea of how to save them. He got word to Queen Esther through Hathak, her servant, and told her to please go to the king and plead with him to help her people, the Jews. And here in verse 10, Esther responds to Mordecai's instructions. Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to tell Mordecai, All the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard who has not been summoned, the death penalty unless the king extends the gold scepter, allowing that person to live. I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the last 30 days. Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. So Esther replies that everyone knows that approaching the king unannounced and without being a summoned is a criminal offense, punishable by death. If she chose to follow Mordecai's advice, she would literally be taking her life in her own hands. I mean, Esther was not just afraid of ridicule or scorn or even imprisonment, but for her very life. Greek historian Herodotus writes that if anyone approached a Persian king without being summoned, He would be killed right then and there on the spot, unless the king gave an immediate pardon by extending his golden scepter. I mean, I've faced some pretty sticky situations before, but I never thought I might be killed. I mean, I can't imagine that kind of fear. So I can understand her reluctance to go before the king. Now, sometimes fear can be a positive thing. I mean, being afraid to run across a highway during rush hour traffic protects us from harm. But fear can also prevent us from doing the right thing, the godly thing. Now, we know that God has been putting this plan together for Esther and Mordecai from the very beginning. But Esther is just now hearing about it. And she has a decision to make. She's at a crossroads here. I mean, does she keep quiet and save her own life while her people die? Or risk her own life for a slim chance to change things? You see, that's the thing about fear. It can be helpful or hurtful. And that's why we so desperately need the Holy Spirit in our lives, because fear is unavoidable. I mean, it's there, and the devil's going to use it to harm us in any way he can. But a close relationship with the Lord can help us discern whether fear is preventing us from following him and accomplishing his will in our lives. Esther knew that the only way that she would be saved from death is if the king extended his scepter toward her. But the king had not summoned her in a month. 
Now, we have to picture this the right way. I mean, it wasn't like it was in the movies where the king and queen sit side by side on their thrones and they ruled the kingdom together. In Persian culture, at least as far as King Ahasuerus was concerned, the queen was basically just like the head wife over all the other wives and concubines. I mean, Esther didn't even know about the law to kill the Jews until Mordecai told her. So it wasn't like she had special privileges because she was the queen, the king's wife or held the position of queen. She was at the mercy of the king's whims, just like everybody else. And she may have wondered if perhaps she had fallen out of favor with the king since he had not asked for her in a month. Aren't we glad and thankful that God's kingdom is different? Our King Jesus is always accessible to us. We can approach his throne of grace boldly and with confidence anytime we want. We are always welcome and always wanted. He is never too busy or distracted or tired to hear about your day. He never has too many problems of his own not to be interested in yours. You are never and will never be a bother to him. Psalm 121 in the NIV says, He who watches over you will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So the messenger conveys Esther's thoughts back to Mordecai. And in verses 13 and 14, he says, Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you were in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you come to your royal position for such a time as this. So Mordecai was quick to point out that just because Esther was royalty did not mean that she was protected from this law. Maybe Mordecai thought that Esther was making excuses for not wanting to go before the king. Maybe he felt the need to give her a little dose of reality. Maybe she thought she was protecting herself by remaining silent. And we can think the same way, can't we? If I stay isolated and keep myself in this little bubble, my comfortable own little bubble, then I won't get hurt. But as Mordecai so eloquently pointed out, not taking action does not always insulate a person from harm. Sometimes it may even cause greater damage. Mordecai made the point to Esther that the time for silence was over. Now was the time for action. But how did he know? How do we know when to be silent and when to act? Well, Mordecai was confident that God would provide deliverance for the Jews somehow. I mean, he says, if you remain silent, deliverance for the Jewish people will come from another place. I believe he knew this because he knew God's word. Jeremiah 23 and 24, it says that God promised that he would preserve a remnant and that they would flourish and grow and that they would return to their land. So if we want to know if now is the time to act, then we must seek God through prayer and his word. Mordecai ends his response by saying, who knows, perhaps you've come to this royal position for such a time as this. Now, Esther had been queen for five years before Haman's plot to kill the Jews had been enacted. Five years before Esther's part in God's plan was revealed. And we know that God was actually putting the plan in place years before that. I mean, that sounds like an awfully long time to me, but God is never in a hurry. 
Now, for most of us, that's an unfamiliar concept, not being in a hurry. Except maybe for someone like my dad. My dad turned the idea of taking your time into an art form. I can remember as a kid going to the grocery store with my dad. It was quite an adventure. I mean, it was never, I'm going to run to the grocery store for a few minutes and pick up a few things. No. We had to block out part of our day when we shopped with him. I mean, he would read the labels on the packages. He would compare the ingredients of one brand to another. Whenever we went out to eat as a family, my brothers, my mom, and I would be completely finished with our meals before my dad was even halfway through with his. My brothers and I used every tool in our arsenal to get my dad to hurry up. Fidgeting, complaining, guilt, my mom. But of course, none of it worked. My dad just would not be hurried. But looking back on it, I realized my dad wasn't slow. He was savoring. Simple pleasures like food, he enjoyed to the fullest. And he took the time to enjoy every moment rather than constantly looking ahead to the next thing. He enjoyed the simple pleasures that a rushed person misses. It's a lesson that I wish I had learned earlier. I think it's a lesson that God would like all of us to learn. In scripture, God often had his followers wait. Joseph was in prison for two years before being released. It was over 10 years after Samuel consecrated David as king that he actually got to sit on the throne. Joshua and Caleb spent 40 years wandering around with the disobedient Israelites before seeing the promised land. Why does God have us wait? Well, according to Isaiah 40:31, those who wait on the Lord are renewed and strengthened and refreshed. They're given endurance and patience. The word wait in Hebrew means to actively wait with anticipation, to wait with expectation, to wait with hope. Waiting on the Lord is different than waiting in line at the bank or the grocery store or waiting for the light to turn green. God is working with us in the waiting. He's teaching us lessons that can only be learned here. He's teaching us to trust him, that he has everything about our situation in hand, and that he will bring good out of it in his perfect timing. This kind of waiting builds us up and energizes us spiritually because we know that he is still mindful of us and that he's still working on our behalf, even when we can't see it. So we're strengthened to continue running the race set before us. I mean, it sounds counterintuitive. Waiting seems like wasting. But in God's economy, it's actually the opposite. If we trust God while we wait, then it will spur us on, not hold us back. So if you feel like your life is in a holding pattern right now, don't give up. Because there is work being done and growth to be made in the waiting. But here, Esther's time to wait was over. God was getting her ready and now was the time to act. But Esther was still given the choice of whether or not to participate in God's plan. Here, once again, we see the intersection between God's sovereignty and human free will. God still accomplishes his purpose even though he gives humans the choice of whether or not to participate. Dr. A.W. Tozer compared this idea to a cruise ship. He said the people on board are free to do as they please, but they're not free to change the course of the ship. The mighty ship of God's sovereign design keeps its steady course over the sea of history. I take comfort in this. 
knowing that whatever mistakes I make or wherever I fall short, God will still preserve his plan and it will still move forward. Our mistakes will never alter the God, the God, the sovereign plan of God. So what does Esther decide to do? Well, she sent word to Mordecai and told him to gather all the Jewish people together and have them fast for her for three days and that she and her female servants would do the same thing. Now, prayer is not mentioned here or anywhere else in this book. However, throughout scripture, prayer is closely associated with fasting and seeking God. So I'm going to take a moment and just list off some of the passages of scripture where prayer and seeking God is in close association with fasting. 2 Chronicles 20, 3 and 4, 1 Samuel 7, 6, Nehemiah 9, 1 and 2, Ezra 8, 21, Psalm 35, 13, Daniel 9, 3, Acts 13, 3, Isaiah 58, 1 through 10, Joel 2, 12 and 13, and Matthew 6, 16 through 18. So clearly, there's an abundance of evidence showing the partnership between fasting and prayer. So it appears from the context that Esther's intention was to seek godly wisdom first. Now, this is particularly telling because remember, Mordecai was an authority figure to Esther. And in verse 220, it says that she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions, just as she had done when he was bringing her up. But instead of going straight to the king, as Mordecai instructed, she went straight to God. Seeking God's wisdom and direction was important to her. Although she valued Mordecai's opinion and counsel, she still saw that God's wisdom should come first. Mordecai's support was helpful, but God's support was crucial. Where do we go when something significant happens to us? Do we run to a friend first or to God first? It's helpful to seek wise counsel from family and friends who have our best interests at heart, but it must never trump seeking wisdom from God. So all the Jewish people joined together for a time of fasting and prayer. Evangelist R.A. Torrey said it was a great masterstroke of the devil when he got the church to so generally lay aside the mighty weapon of prayer. Interesting point. I mean, have you ever thought of prayer as a weapon? Well, prayer strengthens us. It involves us in the power of God. Prayer gives us the proper perspective of our situation so that we can handle things the way that God would. And that wreaks havoc on the powers of darkness that want to blind us from the truth and confuse us into thinking that we're weak and ineffectual. In verse 16, Esther says, I will go to the king, and if I perish, I perish. Esther chose to act, to be a part of God's plan. We too face the same choice. Every day we must decide to follow God's way or our own way. The Jewish people would be saved whether Esther chose to act or not. I mean, God's plans do not hinge on people's willingness to carry them out. God accomplishes his will whether we choose to act or not. If we don't, God will find someone who will. We're not shortchanging God, but we are shortchanging ourselves. The game of life will carry on whether we decide to sit on the bench or not. Jeremiah 29:11 says that God's plans are to prosper us and give us a future and a hope. That is what we miss out on if we choose not to be a part of what God is doing. What if Esther refused to go to the king? What if she allowed her fear to dictate her actions? 
she would have missed out on being a part of one of the greatest interventions of God in human history. She would have missed the miracle. Let us not miss the miracle. Let's participate in what God is doing, which means participating in the rewards and blessings that go along with it. What bravery Esther displayed. Who knew she had it in her? Well, God did. God knew her better than she knew herself, and he knew what she was capable of. And God also knows you, and he knows what you are capable of. And it may very well be more than you realize. I don't think Esther chose to act because her fear suddenly disappeared. I think she was still afraid. But rather than allowing her fear to control her, she did what God called her to do in spite of her fear. I think sometimes Christians live under the false assumption that because we're God's child, that life will be easier for us. And so when life gets difficult, we get frustrated with God. But no one had a greater call on his life than Jesus. And no one had a closer relationship with the Father. Yet it was exceedingly difficult and stressful for him to carry out what God called him to do. So much so that he sweat blood and begged God to take the cup away from him. But what was his final say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, God doesn't take make the task easier. He makes us stronger. He makes us wiser and shows us that his will is always the best. Esther firmly placed her life in the hands of God. Her trust in God was greater than her fear. If I perish, I perish. Esther surrendered to God's will no matter what the cost. For her, standing up for her people was worth the cost of her life. Hmm. Who does this sound like? Do you hear the echoes of the gospel message here? Jesus gave his life so that we might live. The Bible always points to the gospel. Even here, even in this book where God and prayer are not even mentioned, the gospel message is still being proclaimed. So in closing, I'd like to call to mind um, Romans 8.31 that says, If God be for us, who can be against us? And our challenge question for the week is, what are you afraid of? Is this fear hindering you in your walk with Jesus? May we come to realize that whatever fear that we face, it pales in comparison to the power and love that God has for us. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.